Wow, it's Easter Sunday. Man, every, every Easter since I've been a senior pastor at this church, there's always this, this anticipation of visitors and, and new people um, and the, the nerves that come along with it that I've got to perform or do something better than I normally do. And, and every, Sunday, every Easter Sunday that I wake up, I pray about it, and, and I'm like, you know, maybe I should do a traditional... <laughs> A traditional service and, and do it a different way, but every time I pray about it, the Lord says, "No, do your thing," and we're gonna we're gonna do, we're gonna do this together. So, um, so I apologize if you were expecting something a little more traditional. We're pretty laid back here. Um, so, one of the things I looked at because I started thinking about, well, what, how did Jesus speak to people, especially large groups? Because we have quite a larger group, partially because we're obviously merging with with two churches coming together, which is awesome, and I'm really excited about. I know. <laughs> I tell you what, it's been such an anticipation. Like, I think I wanted it to happen sooner, but I think it was better that it was longer because we're more excited about it. Like, come on, when are we going to do this? And so it's really cool, and, and I'm just so excited about new relationships and new family members. This, our church isn't, isn't structured as much um, like a, a corporate uh, thing. We kind of call it upside-down pyramid where the, the leaders serve everyone else. So we serve other people, and they serve other people, and so it's not a... It's not a, a hierarchy or anything like that. Um, it's genuinely, we're, we're a family atmosphere around here. So if, if you're not used to hugging, just, well, <laughs> hang on, Bill. Stay away from, if you're not used to hugging, stay away from Bill, one. <laughs> Two, you can learn to side hug first and work your way into it. Or you can block and we'll, we'll just keep hugging, but just block. And we'll be like, oh, okay, you don't hug. And then we'll forget next week again. But it's funny because... This, <laughs> I just thought of something. It's funny because I, I met somebody who used to go to church with years ago um, when I was real uptight. And, uh, and I went to give him a hug, and he, like, he, he did like the block shaking hands thing. And I went, oh, we're shaking hands, sorry. <laughs> and I'd forgotten that I, you know, I knew him in a different time, and we didn't hug. I mean, it just wasn't a thing. Also, don't feel bad if you don't hug. It's, not, it's okay. You don't need to feel guilty. <laughs> we'll shake your hand. It's cool. Um, whatever. Might bring it in for like a bro hug. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. It's always brand new. So, uh, so anyway, I want to encourage you. Just this, this we do. Re, we really call this our living room. This is our living room. You, you make yourself at home. Um, everybody, visitors. Uh, I, I keep wanting to not call you guys Gospel Life because we're all together now. So we're pure grace peeps together. Um, but everybody, just make yourself comfortable here. And, and you know, uh, we've we've talked about it with with Ben and Buddy, and we want this to be the absolute best church experience that you ever have. That's everybody with us and, and everybody else. And we just want to love you guys and serve you any way that you need. So we're here. We're here together. And I'll tell you one thing, a couple of conversations Ben and I had real quick before I get started. Um, uh, one of the things we talked about in the several conversations when I really felt like the Lord was wanting us to kind of come together, I was like, hey, have you thought about this? And he was like, yeah, I thought about it a lot. It's <laughs> like, man, this would be really cool. And so when we talked, we're like, well, what are the titles going to be? How is this going to look? And I'll never forget because I thought this was the moment when I thought everything's going to be okay. And Ben was like, I'm not worried about titles. I just want to. I just want to help. I just want to love people and help. And I was like, man, that's a sign of a real leader. When 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 you say I'm not looking like jockeying for position or anything. I just want to help and I just want to love people. And that's the way I hope all of us in here are. Um, and it's just awesome. So I'll leave that at that. I'll start crying if I keep talking about it. Um, that's something else you might need to get used to. Uh, <laughs> I get emotional sometimes. <laughs> And Doug doesn't have filters. All right, so uh, 
So I started looking at, at how Jesus approached a large crowd. And quite interestingly, it was different than the way I anticipated most Easter services. Um, so we're going to start in Luke 8, 4. Um, and I'll wander around a little bit. I'll go down to Luke 8, 16 a little bit. We'll kind of bump around. But um, this, this was the first example. There's several examples when large crowds gathered around and Jesus spoke. And he spoke in parables a lot. This specific one's kind of funny and kind of odd. And I hope, hope we can kind of explain it a little bit. Uh, Luke 8, 4 says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. And then he left. (laughs) He was done. That was it. That was the message that he gave everybody, the large crowd. Now, as he left, verse 9, his disciples said, hey, what the heck are you talking about? (laughs) You just said a lot of things there. What's going on? And so he asked them to explain it. And so he did. Jesus was gracious and explained it to who? To his disciples. It never says he explained it to everybody else necessarily, but he explained it to his disciples. They were close to him, and he asked him. And as you go down in, in verse 9, it says, his disciples said, hey, what does this parable mean? He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, his disciples, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now, why would God not, not want people to hear or understand? Does that make any sense at all? It seems like parables were ways that, that people could, it would help them understand. Now, what I see here is a little bit, of, I guess, of a paradox, you could say, is because he would give these parables and some people would understand and some people wouldn't. Now, the ones that, that really wanted to understand would ask him. A lot of those were his disciples, but other people as well. He would meet with several people, including uh, uh, Pharisees, and I always like to say Jesus loved the Pharisees too. He, he, he really wanted them to see the kingdom as well. Unfortunately, a lot of them didn't, and he would get frustrated with them, but he wanted them to see too. Um, but he, he, he would throw these parables out there, and some would see, and some would hear, and some wouldn't. But what he's quoting here is all the way back from Isaiah. Um, you don't have to go all the way there, but uh, it's basically saying that, that fulfilling a prophecy that some will hear, and some won't, some will see, and some won't. So what I think he's doing a little bit here is encouraging the disciples that you don't have to convince anybody of this stuff. It's not a brainwashing. It's not a, a manipulation thing. It's just the truth. And so what I think he's, he's displaying here is, look, some people are going to get it and some people aren't. There's going to be lots of different variations of those people, but some people are going to receive me and some people are going to want what I have and some people aren't. And I think this takes, this is, this is a lot where grace comes into play too because it takes a lot of pressure off of you. It takes a lot of pressure off of me because my heart, especially on Easter Sunday, is if there's visitors that don't normally come to church, I want to see you know the Lord. Not that I'm trying to get you saved so that I can put some notch on my belt or, or a jewel in my crown one day. I want you to know the Lord like I know the Lord. I want you to know the Lord like many of us in here know the Lord, and he's good, (laughs) and he walks with us, and we have a relationship with him, and I want that for you. And I can remember a day in my life when I went through some discipleship classes, and I made a lot of people feel uncomfortable in Walmart, (laughs) and I I really wanted them to know the Lord, genuinely wanted them to know the Lord, but I I didn't care about those people. I mean, I really didn't. I'm, to be real, I genuinely did not love those people. I thought it was, it was what I needed to do so God would not be mad at me. And so I was doing it out of fear and, and, and obligation, not because I wanted to, but because I felt like I had to. And, and, and like God was just really holding my neck down to go, go get this stuff done. Now, all of this came from 
some misinterpretations of Scripture from a few people. But when I began to see Scripture, that's not at all how I see God at all anymore. That's not at all the way he describes himself on how he presents this gospel. And this is a perfect example. He says you just cast seeds. He even says you can't even make it grow. <laughs> it's God that has to make it grow. We've spent so much time shortcutting the Holy Spirit that we've, we've almost negated him out of Christianity altogether. I, don't, I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but we, I think the church has really pushed, has such a push on um, outward constraint or um, uh, behavior modification that we have tried to shortcut the Holy Spirit and what he's supposed to do, and that's, that's either conviction of non-belief to the unbeliever or conviction of righteousness to the believer. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to share the good news. Something, something my pastor, Mark White, taught me was, where's the good news? And any, any, anything that I do, any sermon that you prep, anything that you talk about, what is the good news in there? Lots of people give good advice, and, and there's nothing wrong with good advice, but where's the good news? Where's the good news here? And so when we, when we look at this, we have to realize that, and this was my thing, I wanted to shake people. Have you ever wanted to shake people? I wanted to shake people. Why don't you see the way I see why don't you see how good this life is? Why do you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again? Has anyone ever done that? Sometimes I'd say it to myself. I wanted to shake myself, or I would say I want to punch myself in the face because I keep making these mistakes. I would get frustrated at those things. But, but what I was negating was the power of the Holy Spirit that we carry. I was negating that, that we, we have to convince people to believe like we believe, and that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is to spread the truth of the good news and you spread these seeds, and there's no way that, that you may water them, you may not water them. <laughs> but God's the only one that can make them grow. And the only way that we can get to this place, listen, we have to remember this, is through relationship. Relationship is paramount in Christianity, absolutely paramount. It's, it's been put off so long, especially when I was growing up, hearing churches about how far away heaven was, and I felt like God was far away too, and I had to pray real hard and do real good to get him to come close to me. And there was always this distance, and I could, it, was, it was like the carrot in front of the donkey thing. I could never get there. It was so frustrating to me, and there was always a hole. There was something missing there, and to me, it was the Holy Spirit. It was the relationship that God is now with us. He's not just distant and frustrated. He's with us, and our sins have been atoned for, and he's given us new life. So this, changed, this changes everything. <laughs> this changes everything. That's why he says some are going to get it and some aren't. Now, what's interesting is he goes on down in Luke eight sixteen. Continuing, now you know scriptures are broken up for us. These were, these were long letters that weren't broken up into pieces. So he's continuing, he says, no, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay, uh, this is 8.16. No one lights a lamp or hides it in a clay pot or puts it under bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come can see the light. There is nothing hidden that will not dis- be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought, brought out in the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Now listen. He says right here, be careful how you listen. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. How do you listen? This verse I heard used a lot on um, God shining light on sin. Has anyone ever heard that? It's all going to come out. You're going to get caught. But this isn't what he's saying at all. He's continuing the thought up here saying, listen, when you get it, you got it. <laughs> There's no way around it. It's, it's black and white. You either get it or you don't have it. If you get it, you get it all. But if you don't get it, you don't get anything. If you think that what you do is going to gain you something, even all of your merit and everything is going to be taken away from you. But if you truly accept it, you're in. There's, there's, no, there's no in-between here. He's saying that's going to come out. 
when you have a light, it shines. <laughs> I mean, this, this seems real basic, I know, but that's what happens. We talk about fruit. We talk about fruit happening here. Fruit happens. It happens. Tree, fruit trees don't, don't strain for fruit to come out. They just naturally produce fruit because that's what they are. So listen, when Christ gave us away and grafted us into this, that was a permanent grafting. We began to grow together. And so if you're grafted into this vine, that's what you abide in. And there's no going backwards. You don't unabide in that. <laughs> and there's no, uh, there's no, uh, God. there's no being, I don't want to, I don't want to chase that rabbit too much. Rabbit. It's Easter. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That was not planned, I promise. All right, and Luke, let me get, let me get, I'm going to try to get to where I want to go. That's another thing you get used to. I don't always finish because <laughs> I do chase subjects, squirrels. Bill said he would crack up if he actually saw an, an, a live squirrel run through here. Squirrel. Bless you all those that share with me my attention or lack of. Uh, Luke 8, he's, he's fulfilling prophecy from Isaiah. Um, when Isaiah had a vision uh, about the cold touching, you remember the cold touching the lips in Isaiah's vision? If you don't remember, I'll tell you about it. It's Isaiah 6, 6. says, And the one, one of the seraphim, and it's a really interesting creature that I'm not going to get into, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here, here am I, send me. Uh, then he said, go and tell the people, be, uh, be ever hearing, never understanding, and ever seeing, but never perceiving. So this was what uh, Luke was talking about, kind of going back to that. And so he's speaking in parables, and he's actually throwing in some nuggets from Isaiah of people that might recognize that scripture. So by recognizing that scripture, Jesus is identifying himself to people that knew these scriptures. Does that make sense? Um, these, these people were steeped in... The law. They were steeped in understanding the Torah, and they knew some of these scriptures. So when Jesus said it, he was speaking in parables, but he was also dropping clues for everybody that wanted to hear and would understand. Now, some people would go to this, and some people wouldn't. But he takes that responsibility off of us. He's saying, listen, this is going to happen. You're going to see this when you go out and spread these seeds. Some people are going to get it, and some people aren't. Okay? We've established that. Now he's saying, listen, there was a Levitical law, and the Levitical law said, don't touch this dead thing, don't touch this nasty thing, don't touch this, or what? You, it, you'll get it. Death will come onto you, right? That was Levitical law. Now Jesus is, is saying, now I'm going to be this coal that now comes down and touches you, and my righteousness and my holiness now will, will, trans, will, will come onto you. <laughs> it's not going to be the, the other way around. Jesus could go and touch a leper where lepers were, were completely separated from everybody because they would get people sick. Jesus could touch them and he wouldn't get sick, right? What would happen? They would get healed. He would go to the dead, and what would happen? They would wake up. He'd, he's reversing the curse is what he's doing. The law was shifting now, and Jesus was fulfilling it, and he's giving them clues as he's telling them. Hey, this is what I'm talking about here. This is what I'm talking about here. And those that wanted to hear could hear, right? Those that cared to hear could hear, and it would, it would, it would be a seed planted inside them and it would begin to grow. And so he's explaining this to them. Look, this, this whole thing that you guys have understood and here's what's cool about this. This is what I love about this. And many of us have had conversations, personal conversations, about uh, I debate and talk to other friends who believe different ways, um, and many of you have. And you have to understand, 
even for people today, if you tell someone about um, grace and truth or you tell someone about Christ and it's different than what they grew up in their religion, what you're asking them to do is give up on everything they've ever believed. Think about that for a minute. You, you are asking them to change who they are. Even, I mean, lost people the same, but especially religious people. When you bring something as, as freeing <laughs> as grace and truth, you are asking someone to, to give up on everything they've worked for and earned their whole lives. And that's a pretty radical thing. What, what can combat that? What do you think? Love, relationship. You can't just go to people and get in their face and try to convince them that your way is right and their way is wrong. That's a good way to get a bloody nose. <laughs> or be frustrated in ministry, right? That's a good way to, to do it not the right way. <laughs> Sorry about my horrible sentence structure there. That's the bad way to do it. The wrong way to do it. The way to do it is to actually, <laughs> what do you know? Love people. Jesus simplified all of the commandments into two. <laughs> he didn't make it more complicated for us. He made it simple. If you'll hear, it says, be careful how you listen. Listen. Those are Jesus' commands. Love people. And from that place, now, when you get to know people and they come to a place where they, they are broken or they're hurt, now you can speak into their lives. You can actually make a difference in their lives. So Jesus is, is telling them, listen, everything that you've done, and he's doing it in a loving way, why do you think he had to live? Because he was going to send his Holy Spirit. He knew that. Why do you think he had to live a little, a little while? I think he cared enough about people that he wanted them to see. You know? He wanted them to see how this thing worked, and he wanted to explain to them a little bit at a time. Right? So he's explaining all this to them. So Ezekiel talks about it a little bit later. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but Ezekiel has a prophecy about uh, a river flowing from the temple, which is a representative of Jesus, is another prophecy that he fulfilled, bringing life wherever it goes. Um, so that's, that's, that's uh, Jesus literally like giving us a visual of a, of a spring going into a wasteland or a desert that's just popping up trees and, and flowers everywhere. So he's bringing life everywhere it goes. So he's just going, go, continuing that thought too and going on there. Um, but what we can do is and like I've said several times before, we can become spectators and say, okay, that's great. That's Jesus, right? What, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with you? Jesus was great. He did a lot of great things. He was God in the flesh. What does that have to do with me? Here's where, we, where I hope to wrap up. John 20, 19. <clears throat> we talked about this last week, but I, I feel like I want to talk about it again. And I have the microphone, so I'm going to. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So the disciples are scared. They have the door locked, and they're afraid. Jesus came and stood among them and said, so Jesus essentially walks through a wall. <laughs> so doors are locked. They're afraid. Jesus walks through a wall and says, peace be with you. <laughs> okay. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw that it was the Lord. And Jesus said again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not, then they are not forgiven. Whoa. <laughs> we talked about this last week. You, are you saying that I can go around and tell people their sins are forgiven and their sins are forgiven? Yeah. You can. Why is that? The same way Jesus, when he said, This person's not dead, they're just sleeping. Were they sleeping or were they dead? It doesn't matter. When Jesus spoke, the Holy Spirit moved. We know from the previous weeks, the Holy Spirit, when we speak, the Holy Spirit goes with it. 
we carry Holy Spirit everywhere we go. And so when we speak, things happen. And, and the disciples needed to know that. They were afraid. <laughs> they, needed, they needed some revelation because they were shaking in their boots with the doors locked. And Jesus said, okay, I'm giving you what the Father gave me. You go out and you forgive sins. And so when you say someone's sins are forgiven, the moment they believe it, their sins are forgiven. It's as simple as that. When you say your sins are forgiven, you don't have to go through all the... Man, we, we, we taught, you know, was Rome through Romans and all the different, all the different uh, keys to getting to heaven, basically. It was these specific ways that you had to pray a certain way. And what we're supposed to do is say, listen, your sins are forgiven. You need to believe it. The Holy Spirit is there to convict you of unbelief. <laughs> it's, it's a very simple thing. God said clearly, listen, I, I hope that none of you perish. He finished it 2,000 years ago. All you have to do is accept it. The, the whole work your way towards something that Jesus has already done is, is the most miserable <laughs> existence you could possibly have. It's like working your whole life to try to, to get a million dollars and you've had it in your pocket the whole time. Listen, when you receive this awesome, awesome gift of a restored relationship with the Father through Jesus, everything changed. Have you ever been around people that are just happy, <laughs> genuinely joyful? Many of you have. I get, and I don't, I don't claim to be perfect by any means, but I have people ask me several times, what's, a couple times if I'm drunk, <laughs> and then several times, how, how, how can you be happy? How can you be happy in the midst of this that's going on? Why, don't, why aren't you more concerned with this, this, or this? And it's always because I've got God with me. You know what I mean? I can't explain it any other way. Everything else seems a little less stressful <laughs> when I know that he's got it. When I know that I'm not here by myself, when I know that I'm not working towards something because he's already come to meet me <laughs> and he's, he's come as that coal to take, to make an atonement and to take our sins away and to give us new life. And the cool thing is, in, in John 7:37, it says, on the, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come, and, come to me and drink. Whoever believes me, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Get that in your head. Everywhere you go, if you carry the Holy Spirit, living waters will flow from you. What does that mean? That means you have to know that you have something before you can let it, let it flow from you. This is the security that the Holy Spirit brings you. The Holy Spirit convicts you, if you're a believer, of righteousness. Right? He doesn't need to remind you of a dead life in sin. Now, if you mess up, he'll say, that was dumb. <laughs> you're a new creation. Why are you trying to drag around an old dead body? He'll do that. I'm not saying he doesn't. But what he does is he convicts you of righteousness, saying, look, this isn't who you are. You've been created for a purpose, and now you're restored to that original creation. It's like Eden all over again, right in your heart. It's been planted. So now from that place comes living water. So Christian is literally like little Christs. So now we carry Christ everywhere we go, and we can actually make a difference in people's lives because we're not so consumed with trying to get somewhere we already are. Listen, grace frees up a lot of your time. I'm just saying. It takes, yeah, it takes a while for your mind to catch up. I always talk about hardware and software. The Holy Spirit has come to rest in your heart and has changed your heart forever. That's done. It's finished here. Our minds, not so much. It's software. You, you get a new, I always say MacBook Pro, but I guess some people get PCs. I don't know why. So you get a PC, you definitely need an update. And you open it up brand new, and you get an update. And if it's a PC, it probably crashes. I'm just kidding. But uh, 
But you get, a, you get a brand new computer and you open it up and it needs an update immediately, right? That's the same thing. Our, that's why the Bible says our minds are renewed. It doesn't say our heart. <laughs> our minds are renewed to the truth that's in our hearts. So our hardware is there. When we receive Christ, we receive the hardware. And now the update is up here. <laughs> so we update ourselves constantly with this truth that's in our heart. It changes, it changes the perspective for me because a lot of the little, uh, I guess, moral lessons that I learned when I did first started going to church were um, basically cover your eyes and cover your ears so you don't see or hear anything <laughs> or God's going to squash you. Um, and so there was this, 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 how will we be effective if we're scared of everything? And I don't believe that Jesus is intimidated with anything. I don't think he's scared of anything. And so now that I see it in, re- in reverse, which I think is the correct way, now I see it as now I'm free, right? It says Christ died to make us free. <laughs> a lot of church folks were, weren't crazy about freedom because it's scary. Relationship is scary and it's messy. Religion is neat. We can draw lines for people, and if, they, if you stay within these boundaries, then that's neat. But when you have relationship with people, that junk can get messy. I'll tell you firsthand, it gets messy, and there's hurt, but there's also great joy. But that's, that's life. That's real life. Um, I'm, I'm getting off the subject. Freedom. Something happened uh, yesterday. We were at dinner <laughs> with the family, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like call anybody out. I love our aunt Nancy. She's awesome. But a couple times, and this is one of the times we're going on a cruise coming up pretty soon, and uh, she gave me a perfect sermon sermon illustration without even trying. But she pointed at me. She was like, "You better let your kids have some freedom on that ship." A couple of y'all were there. Y'all remember? I was like, "What? What?" She was like, pointing her finger at me. She's like, you, Mr. Benoit, you better let your kids have some freedom. And I, I guess she's not around us enough. I guess she thinks that we're just really, really, really strict and we don't let our kids do anything, which we, that we, we have some boundaries with them. They're still teaching and they're, or they're still teaching us. We're still teaching them and they're still learning. But we, we do give them freedom and there's, there's some stuff there. But, I, but what was interesting is the more, when I was praying about it this morning too, the Lord was revealing to me, we talked to the kids about it. I was like, hey, do y'all want to go like run around crazy on the ship? They're like, no, I want to hang out with you. It's a family trip. Y'all are fun. And I started thinking about, yeah. This is, that's the way God is. It's like, he's not, he's not holding me down so that I do everything that he's making me do. It's like, hey, I want to hang out with him. He's pretty fun. Like, I enjoy doing these things now. Do you see the difference? It's like, it's not that God is restricting me from bad things. He is leading me into better things. Do you see the difference? I will do anything in my power to bless my kids. Anything, anything not just financially, but to give them security to know that they're loved, to know that we're not, you know, we're not going anywhere, we're not going to abandon them, we're not going to walk out on them. Anything within my power, I want to give my kids. Does that make sense? That's how God is with us. Except more. <laughs> Except more better than us. I mean, that's, that's the picture of a father. That's the picture of a restored relationship with the father. I want to be with him. So you're free to do what you want to do, uh, Brian and I were talking about this morning, and he, he read a story about uh, a slave who, it was a young girl who was purchased. There was, it was like a bidding thing, and she was purchased, and this guy bought her. This was back when slavery was legal. And he bought her, and you may have heard the story too. I'd never heard it. And he brought her back and said, listen, I bought you so that you could be free. That's the only reason I bought you. I wanted to liberate you, and so now you are free. And she said, she said, well, I appreciate that, but because you cared so much for me to set me free, I want to stay with you. And I want to help you, and I want to love you because you set me free. Do you see the difference there? She wasn't, she wasn't a slave to him. Now there was a relationship there. He cared enough for her to stick his neck out and buy, to, to purchase her at a cost and set her free. 
Listen, that's what Christ does for us. He wasn't reluctant. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't thinking outside or separate from God. They're one. So something else we need to get. God's not just looking at you through this Jesus lens as though it's separate from his heart. Jesus is God. God put this plan in place from the beginning of time. So God did this because he loves you. We have to get that. It's not God's angry, but Jesus did this as though they're separate. They're the same. He put this plan in place so that he could redeem you and he could save you. And this is the reality of the kingdom. This is the reality of of the truth of the gospel. This is the good news. (laughs) So we we can give all the good advice we want, but if we don't have that truth, if we can't carry that Holy Spirit and that truth that says, you are forgiven. And the scripture right here says, when that, when that Holy Spirit, when you accept that Holy Spirit, now you have the power to go out and tell people their sins are forgiven. You can't say, listen, if, if, if Jesus was just God and wasn't man also, then we could sit as spectators and say, that's awesome that God could do these things, but he wasn't. He was fully man and fully God. Why? So that we could see what he did and know that we can do the same thing. And even greater things, he says. Even greater things. Why even greater things? Because now it's not just one Jesus on earth. (laughs) Now it's all these Holy Spirits everywhere. He said, it is to your benefit that I go. Why? Because I can send the Holy Spirit to each of you individually and I can be with you all the time. All the time. He's not jumping out of you when you mess up. Like, ooh, can I come back in? You You need to pray 27 times and I might come back in the house. Right? No. He's with you all the, all the time. So scripture says, if you go and join yourself to a harlot, guess who goes with you? This is, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> he's there to convict you of righteousness and say, listen, this isn't who you are. This is who you are. This is who I created you to be. Not, not just turn away from this, but turn towards this. This is, what we've, this is what I think we've neglected to do is show people how much better Christ is. That, Listen, God's not in competition with Satan. <laughs> There's no competition. I heard uh, Bill Johnson talk about uh, Satan's just like a branch that's been broken off. He's dead. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> it may look green, <laughs> but it's dead. It's, it's done. In the same way, Satan's not the opposite of God. Satan's a created being. Anything that he has to tempt you with has n- is no greater and no more powerful than what God has good for you. Matter of fact, is so much less, and we've talked about it before. All sin is just a shortcut to try to get somewhere that God wants to bring you anyway. Amen. For, free. For free. And 20,000 times better than if you tried to do it on your own. Amen. Sin always leaves you, uh, I always say, over-promises and under-delivers. It's like fake fruit. It looks good. You anticipate it. You can't wait to eat it, and you take a bite, and you're like, this is disgusting. It's plastic. <laughs> but it doesn't mean fruit's bad. Fruit's good, Right? All sin is just imitation of God desires. Listen, God desires that you have a loving relationship with your wife and enjoy it. I'll leave it at that. But I'm serious. He wants you to have that. Now, if you want to shortcut it and do it your own way, listen, there's plenty of examples in here of people that did that. We're still (laughs) dealing with the repercussions of some of them. You want to shortcut the Holy Spirit? That's sin. You want to take your time and listen to what God has for you? And listen, sin isn't a behavioral issue. It's a trust issue. Trust your father. (laughs) All the desires that you want, he says, I will give you all of your desires. Why? How can he do that? Because he is your desire. 
How does he know what your desires are? Because he created us. How do I know God has a sense of humor? Because I do. (laughs) And he made me. Seems logical. Cars run on gas. (laughs) And we run on the Holy Spirit. It's It's what we function on. If we sin, it's like poison. It's like taking poison. It doesn't feel right because it's not. It's not who we are. We're brand new creation. So when Christ died, he took care of the sin issue. Now, if that was it, that would be great. But that wasn't it. When he raised, when he rose, when he was raising, <laughs> when he rose, when he re-arose, <laughs> he made it possible to have life, new life. So we have to see how this worked out. So now you have new life. So we don't stop with just forgiveness of sins. That was awesome. That was radical. And it, and it was incredible. And it was great. But he didn't stop there. He gave us new life. So when we, when, we, when we talk about we die and then we're resurrected with him, don't forget the resurrection. We focus so much on the dying. We're so focused on death. Don't focus on the dying. Focus on the living. Eternal life starts the moment that you're born again. You don't have to die to, to, to receive heaven. <laughs> Heaven's in your heart the moment you accept it. By definition, eternity has no beginning and no end. So it's an absolute miracle if you have eternity in your heart right now because you, you had a beginning naturally. But if you receive Christ, now you're an eternal being. That's the most supernatural. You, we've seen people raised from the dead. We have one sitting right here. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen the lame walk. We've seen all kinds of miraculous things. Just as much a miracle is that you could be born again. Just as much a miracle that you've been born again. Why? Because that's eternal life. That, that starts now and goes on forever. Whew. I mean, that's radical. That's huge. What that does is it takes away the fear of death. Why? Because death has no sting anymore. Now we don't have to worry about dying. Dying is just changing zip codes. So I says we, we get a new body. It doesn't say we get a new spirit. Why? Because we already got a new spirit. We get a new body when we, when we see heaven in its fullness. But guess what? You don't, have to, you don't have to wait to experience heaven. Otherwise, we'll just hold you longer when we baptize you. <laughs> if that's the goal, why not? That was always a loophole. When people would preach to me, I was like, wait, well, dying's the goal. <laughs> if I have to die to go to heaven, heaven seems like a really good place. Let's just die and go there. <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, well, Why don't we just do that? But Scripture says, I don't seek to take you out of this world, but listen, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you right now. So right now, he, is, he can be with you right now. That's good news. Christ with us is the good news. All right, I'm going to stop early. You guys lucked out. All right, stand up. I'm going to pray for you guys. Um, I'm, I'm trying to cut a little bit short so you guys have time because I want you guys to have the pictures. But sometimes, and, and we do this a lot, on Sundays, we'll have like Q&A afterwards. I want to encourage you. We're going to do that more. We just didn't, didn't do it today because we're trying to be sensitive to people's times. I'm sure you guys have Easter egg hunts and different things to go to. So just so you know, we have some pretty interesting services in here. So I want to encourage you to come back if you're visiting. Um, we'll be around if you want to talk to us and, and hang out with us. We love everyone in here, even if we don't know you yet. <laughs> so, Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we just thank you for your word, for your good news. Father, just as we, as we continue to fellowship in this place, we take pictures, and as, as we leave, Lord, your Holy Spirit, we don't, we don't check you at the door like a coat. Father, you go with us, and we are the church. So when we leave this place and, and, uh, and we go to eat and we go to be with family, 
Father, open our eyes to the way that you see people so that we can, we can see them the way that you do. Because in our own ability, Father, we're, we, we can't love enough. <laughs> we, we get too frustrated with people because they're annoying, to be honest. <laughs> but to you, you see, you see them at their full potential, Father. Open our eyes in the spirit to who people are so that we can love them the way that you loved us. And so uh, we just thank you for, for your grace, for your love, and for your peace and your joy, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. <laughs>